0: Why Oak? I want for nothing. Time for me to head out of the studio today. Matt McCarthy with you here on CITR 101.9. Another edition of the Friday Morning Mixtape. Coming up next, we've got The Real World, an hour-long adventure through the world of film. It's going to be great. And after that, we'll have Dave Radio with Radio Dave, your noon hour guide to what's happening in music and theater in Vancouver. Until next time, we'll see you later. Bye-bye. Now, for our more dreadful sacrifice. The music you're listening
1: to is completely electronic. Only a fool would ignore this.
0: I'd like to demonstrate for you some of the rather more weird kinds of sounds.
2: See how relaxed you're getting?
0: Every Sunday night at 7 o'clock here on CITR 101.9 FM is More Than Human, your weekly guide to all that is new, weird and wonderful. In the world of electronic music. So please join me, Gareth Moses, for electronic music, old and new, inane comments, and the occasional sacrifice. More Than Human, on CITR. Old or New Testament? I think the
3: New Testament...
1: The question is, Pilate,
3: remember Pilate from the New Testament? Pontius
1: Pilate, he fiddled well.
3: While... Yeah, no, wait, just a minute. Let me ask the question and you can give me the answer, okay? Did Pilate want Jesus to
0: be crucified?
3: Uh, 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 Pontius Pilate washed his
1: hands of it.
3: So did he want him to be crucified?
1: Yeah. No. 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 To the well, find a good church, it'll help you out.
4: Not only does it make you special, but it gives you all kinds of deals with our friends on Main Street, including 10% off at an Anti Social Skateboard Shop, Devil May Wear, Red Cat Records, Woo Vintage Clothing, and more. Visit CITR.ca for more, or come check us out in the nest.
5: I like Star Trek.
1: Yeah, cool,
2: cool. awesome.
5: I love the Lord of the Rings. Great. Great.
1: I'm into obscure 1950s atong monster movies.
5: Uh, sure. I really enjoyed the Michael Bay Ninja
1: Turtles. We can work with that. Here at the UBC Sci Fi and Fantasy Society, we accept everyone. We have weekly movies, game nights, and the largest non academic library at UBC. Come by our club room 3206D in the Nest. It's a great place to eat lunch, hang out,
5: and procrastinate.
1: Check out our Facebook group, UBC Sci Fi and Fantasy Society, to find out what's going on.
5: for a high-paced, exciting, full-contact sport that's tons of fun, check out the Terminal City Roller Girls. The league was Vancouver's first ever female... You're listening to The Real World with Dama and Dora on CITR 101.9 FM. We're broadcasting live from unceded Musqueam territory here on the UBC campus in Vancouver, BC. Uh, Recap, uh, The Real World is the UBC Film Society's radio show, and we try to connect uh, with other clubs and organizations on campus through film, and it's a lot of fun. Today, we're going to be talking about the adult animator, Ralph Bakshi. And we're very excited about that. Now, before we actually yes, we are. before we actually talk about Bakshi, I wanted to talk to you for a moment. Like, how did you come across this animator? Because uh, like Dora specifically requested that we do a Bakshi episode, and yeah, it was just like, how does one come across this? You know what? That's an amazing question. Thank. you. I have no idea. <laughs> um, I
3: think. I, I've had, like, his Wikipedia page open up and, like, a tab on my computer. I want to say since the middle of last semester, I think I was just, like, Googling, like, animation. And I was like, adult animation. Like, what's that? I wanted to watch more um, films that use that medium, but that weren't, like, Disney. Because Disney does have such a strong hold on that whole genre it's pretty freaky yeah. um and he he's like one of the big ones um like fritz the cat his first movie um i think it was like 1991 19, oh 1972 oh, was oh, so child. wrong in my head i, I had 1971 like the, the numbers the image uh, i'm sick you can't judge me <laughs> but um Yeah, that was, like, pre-groundbreaking. There were a lot of, like, kids rated movies with Disney. There were a lot of, like, animated cartoon TV shows, but not really any feature-length films. Um, And so him just, like, kind of championing that whole um, genre and that whole space um, is what made me think about him. And also, I actually realized... um, I actually watched one of his movies when I was like seventeen, um, just like because I found it, um, and I it like it didn't really like I I remembered it, but I it didn't really like hit me as like like this is something that might be important for me later in my life. <laughs> um, but he's really cool. He's really interesting. He makes really weird movies. Um, he's a weird dude. But yeah, that's just how I that's just how I found him. And I'm I'm I've I keep being like you have to watch his movies. Like you're gonna do it. So I was like, okay, now I need an actual excuse to just mm-hmm. sit down and watch them.
5: That is what the real world is, excuse an excuse to watch movies truly. So, real quick before we actually get into this, I forgot to mention that what we just listened to was Sugar Daddy by Patsy Gallant uh from Campbellton, New Brunswick. Uh so this isn't from any of uh Bakshi's films. It's just like a thematic thing of like the time where he was making films, so the 70s and like he does deal with a lot of adult themes and he has a lot of like interesting uh, music choices in his films, so we thought that was appropriate. So, yeah. uh, Dora, you said you accidentally watched a film before you were actually forced to, the horror, um, <laughs> what, what film was this? Well, um,
3: it was Coonskin, um, I actually, I didn't finish it, I started it, because, That was, like, a weird night. I'd, like, come across my first, like, really, like, racist website that was just, like, white supremacist being, like, I hate the N-words, like, for, like, pages and pages. And I was, like, oh, my God. Like, I was... It was my first encounter with, like, actual crazy extremism. And I was, like, terrified on the Internet. And someone had, like, linked this movie, and I was, like, what? And then... I watched the beginning and I was like, I can't watch this. Like, this is awful. This is way too much. Um, and then I actually watched it. I finished, I started and completed um, Full Circle Coonskin. Um, it was also awful, but I don't, I genuinely don't think that Bakshi meant for it to be awful. I think that he, um, like, he was, because he, he grew up pretty poor, and, um, super jewish he like escaped um palestine what's now israel to like get out of to escape world war ii and he moved to new york and he grew up in this like really diverse neighborhood um and he had i think he does have like he did have like pretty um unique and i want to say progressive ideas of race relations for the 70s but as a white man making movies about race, it's st- still very kind of like you don't really totally get it. And like what you're like, what you think you think you're you, I'm sure he thought he was making like I'm making a movie that is very critical of race relations and like Brit, like is about black people and everything. But he makes awful caricatures and assumptions about black people there are no real like it's just like a really weird it's a really weird movie to watch it was Mm -hmm. um it was marketed as like a black exploitation film but it's but like fundamentally it's by a white dude it's just like really weird to be fair Um, like
5: i've been i've been googling and he did hire like a ton of african-american animators to work with him on this but like the the heart of your idea still stands like he was the director you know like it was his idea and at the heart of the story is his idea to make a black film basically
3: yeah and there's also like there's that fundamental like disconnect where like he doesn't really know what he's talking about like he doesn't he can't really know the experiences that he's trying to portray and it just it's a, it's a really strange thing to watch mm-hmm. That being said, it was was good. Like, I I kind of enjoyed it.
5: Do you want to tell us what it's actually about?
3: Uh, I would love to. So it's like, it's kind of like, um, there's, like, the cartoon story that's the main story that you're really watching that's kind of bookended and, like, in the context of a live-action story um, where Barry White and his preacher friend are going to help their other friend, um, escape from prison. And the, those three like kind of main characters are also the main characters of the cartoon story, which is like a story that's being told to the, um, escapee by this older, um, convict who's also trying to escape him. And, um, about like the they're all kind of like parallel. So Barry White's a bear, the preacher is a fox, and the escapee is a rabbit. And how like in New York they um the kind of like takes over the whole drug and like mafia and prostitution kind of like realms in Harlem and just becomes kind of like the king really fast and just like they're kind of like escapades and their story and then
5: um it goes back to live action (laughs) Uh, and that that, like um contraposition of live action and animation is something that like i noticed a lot i i watched wizards and i was just like looking into a lot of his other things and he does mix a lot of photography with animation which i think is really interesting
3: um, what I found really striking, um I not in um Coonskin so much, but in American pop and also I'm watching the Lord of the Rings right now is he did a lot of rotoscape, which is like he shot stuff in live action and then had animators like trace over and draw over those frames.
5: yeah, yeah, he does that for the armies in in wizards,
3: yeah, and then so like he he does like use live action a lot in his animated films, especially um for, yeah, for, like, armies and, like, those kind of scenes. What he does is he shoots them and then, uh, like, solarizes the film, which is just, like, exposing them a little too much. Mm-hmm. So they look kind of, like, blurry and as though they could be animated, but you, like, kind of know that they're not.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and, like, <clears throat> that's just, like, it just to save time. I think it's funny that he that he, um, For him, it was more cost-effective to pay all these actors and pay this crew to film people rather than drawing out, like, actually physically drawing. Um, Like, you could draw, like, globs. I don't know, like, human-shaped globs. Um, I just think that's kind of funny. Um, But the funniest thing about that is in Lord of the Rings, There's the end of it is not animation at all. It's just, like, a battle scene, and it's, like, red and just, like, these really solarized, like, shapes just, like, stabbing at the camera almost. It's really, really weird to watch, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's cool.
5: Yeah, I love how it... I feel like this almost came out of, like, laziness. Like, he just didn't want to draw it out, but it ended up becoming this, like, key feature in a lot of his films, and it's something that really does give it this, like weird surreal quality like when you're dealing with cartoons you're like oh i'm safe like it's just cartoons you know but when he starts bringing in these like flashes of live action i feel like it really does bring in this like adult part of it so he's dealing with adult themes in a cartoon world which would like you'd think it would give him like more room to play with these themes, but, like, he keeps reminding you that it's not just a cartoon. Like, he keeps mm-hmm. sending in these other images, like, no, it's not Disney. Like, you do also have this live-action thing going on, and that's why it's so striking.
3: Yeah, but, but, okay, so what I find um, pretty interesting about him is that, like, if you look at his filmography, like, he ends with a lot of, like, fantasy stuff. Like, he made Lord of the Rings, he made Wizards, he did Ice and Fi- Fire and Ice, um, but his, his first few cartoons or his first few films, um, Fritz the Cat, Heavy Trafficking, Toonskin, they are all, like, X-rated. People, animals, cartoons are just all having sex with each other all the time. Like, people are getting beaten. People are doing so many drugs. It's incredible. And, like, especially, like, like Fritz the Cat was the first X-rated cartoon um, feature length ever. And, like, comparing that to Disney is so like weird because like yeah. that came out at the same time as like the aristocats like robin hood like these like wholesome like the the animated features out of the time were disney and then like x-rated like don't show your children under any circumstance like content um which is
1: really cool
5: uh, the fact that he like uses the same idea that Disney uses of like oh let's just have make these characters be animals instead yeah <laughs> oh yeah totally it's it's like he's almost parodying Disney in in these films
3: um the Cat is actually based on a car- like an underground cartoon yeah, um. On- yeah, because he, he wanted to make Heavy Traffic. Uh, fun fact, he wrote this for Honey for Tra- Heavy Traffic and brought it to a producer, and the dude was like, um, you need to make a feature for, uh, before this so that you kind of have, like, a base. <laughs>
1: um,
3: so pick, like he was like, pick from a comic so that the readers of that will come see it, and then also like, you will create a fan base, whatever, to come see your next film. And he just, like, went to a comic book store and was like... Yeah, the cat seems cool and just, like, chose him, um, made this movie. <laughs> <clears throat> like, yeah, like, if I was an artist, that's what I would want to do.
5: hmm No, yeah, I really, just, like, I like that, like, th- there's a very literal connection between, like, these adult, um, animated films and, like, adult comics that were going on because it's like the same kind of relationship that comic books and adult comic books had like you know it started off as just being a thing that like little children could buy and read about like superheroes or whatever, but at some point like the comic scene became very, very shady. Like there was there was a point in history where people were thinking of like banning comic books because they thought that it, they were corrupting young people. And that was like the time that these underground comics started appearing. They were like, Oh, you think that the current comic books are bad and then they started putting a lot of sex, drugs, yeah. and rock and roll in comic books. <laughs> and it got crazy. Little sound bites. Um, yeah, and, like,
3: I think that's, that is kind of, like, within the inherent nature of animation and cartooning that, like, you can do anything you want, and, like, one of the, like, something that's always on people's mind is sex, so, like, you can, like, make these, like, crazy idealized, like, like, unrealistic, but also, like, make it, like, tangible and, like, see it visually, and see it happen, especially in an animated comic, where, like, you can see the action happening, and you're kind of, like, like, you can make anything happen. Yeah. And Bakshi does. Like, he goes for it, um, which I can respect. Um, but my only issue with that really is that, like, he is not very, um, very super nice to women. Like, they're all just kind of, like, vapid, useless characters, which is, like, cool, but,
5: like, Oh yeah, also like, like I I noticed in Wizards that like the um, president's daughter, she's just kind of this character that's like in the background for like the first scene and she you can just kind of like see her nipples and she's just like sitting there and being seductive. Oh yeah, she's
3: super hot, but like
5: <laughs> but like what else like, are you doing?
3: Yeah, she like the women in his um films and pretty consistently and like I've I've I watched four of them um, from, like, a bunch of eras, and they're all just kind of, like, like, fundamentally just sex objects, um, to, or, like, sex objects who are also, like, crazy, like, (laughs) there are no, um, super sympathetic women, there are no super complex women, Mm -hmm. very cut and dry, um, and I, I, I guess that kind of comes with, like, the environment he was – like, he grew up in um, and, like, a product of kind of, like, his era. Mm Yeah. But it's just a little disheartening to see.
1: Yeah, of course. But, like,
3: he's he's obviously very flawed. He's very controversial. He went out – he just went out and made stuff, um, which is – you know what? Good for him. I can still respect him even if I don't, like, super, like, his treatment of...
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, people. I, saw, I saw a few scenes of Heavy Traffic, and like, one of, like, the female portrayals that I noticed was not uh, the way that I had seen all the other ones was the mother in Heavy Traffic, I think. There's, oh, Ida? Yes. So, like, there's one scene where there's just a lot of pictures coming on, and then, like, she's in the middle as an animated uh person but there's a lot of like pictures and like old uh, just video going on in the background she's like oh yeah betsy did this thing and then she got married and then like it's just this old woman kind of remembering things so it's still like mm-hmm. the stereotype of like the old woman that's kind of like lost in the past and whatever but i like appreciated yeah. that she wasn't a sex object
3: yeah, but then she she turns around and has so many scenes where she's just, like, being an unreasonable, crazy, nagging wife, and then yeah. her and her husband just try to kill each other. Like, that. Like he he does have little senses of, like, not humanity, but of, like, <laughs> I don't know, like, seeing so um, not-white men as people, um, and then it just turns around, and you're just kind of like, wait, what just happened? <laughs> um... But he's still, he's cool. He's about, like, I would definitely recommend, like, he's, he's not someone who you're kind of like, I agree with everything that's happening, but he is someone that I think is it's important to watch yeah. what he's made. Because he made so much, and was, like, very influential in making, like, almost validating um, animation as, and can, like, be you, which is really cool.
5: Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Like, He's people are always going to be a product of their era, you know, but he did create a dialogue about like racial issues and prostitution and drugs that like might not have been there in like the audience that he was aiming for. So I think there's something to be said ...about his his films and the way that he kind of transformed the animation genre. Even though, like, yeah, he's gonna have the limitations that any, like, human being has. Like, even people nowadays will often portray, like, women and races... ...in ways that in a few years are gonna be seen as not great. But, like, he still created a very important dialogue that I think is super cool... Plus, like, the actual animation and the way that he mixes it with photography is beautiful. So... Yeah. Yeah, so I think that is about it for today. Thank you again for joining us today, Dora. You're welcome. And uh, get better soon. Oh, I will try. Thank you. (laughs) Awesome. So we'll see you next week on The Real World, on CATR. Thanks for joining us, and... Shout out to Benedict Cumberbatch! <laughs> oh.
0: For children with life threatening illnesses, joy can be a wonder drug. Children's Wish Foundation of Canada. We're dedicated to granting the heartfelt wishes of kids with life-threatening illnesses. For more than 30 years, Children's Wish has granted the most heartfelt wish of more than 23,000 kids in Canada. And this month, you can help. This March is Children's Wish Month in BC. Text the word Blue Wish to 80100 to instantly donate five dollars towards funding a kid's wish. That's Blue Wish to 80100. You can also spread the word by tweeting about us at hashtag Children's Wish Month. Love ice cream? That helps too. This month, visit any Rain or Shine ice cream location and leave your change in one of their designated wish boxes. Three cent counts, and your contribution will be matched by Rain or Shine. Take a moment this month and bring joy to the life of a deserving child. For more information, visit www.childrenswish.ca.
1: speeches that I have ever heard came from people who told me I couldn't do something. <laughs> you know why? Because when they told me I couldn't do it, I was bound and determined to show them that I couldn't.
5: Did you know CITR has an accessibility collective? Our new collective serves to explore issues of inclusion, equity, and accessibility for people with physical and cognitive disabilities on campus and beyond. If you love making radio, listening to radio, or want to get involved for the first time, come join our collective. We include people of all abilities, experience levels, and backgrounds in the production and programming of our show. Tune in to our weekly show, All Access Pass, from 5 to 6 p.m. on Thursdays for interviews, music, news, events, and awesome dialogues. If you want to get involved, email accessibilitycollective at citr.ca.
1: We start again.
5: And hello, you are listening to The Real World on CITR 101.9, broadcasting from unceded Musqueam Territory in Vancouver. I'm Dama.
4: And I'm Dora.
5: And today, we're going to be talking about Harry Potter. Woo! very exciting. We have our uh, Harry Potter marathon coming up this weekend. Um, on we the, being UBC Film Society. Yes. UBC Film Society has that going on. So if you like <laughs> Harry Potter, uh, and you don't have anything to do on March 19th and 18th from 12pm to 9.15pm, I think, um, you can go watch the Harry Potter movies at the Norm Theater in the old sub. So that's still going on, and Harry Potter is great. So if yeah. you like film or Harry Potter or Marathons, you should totally go. Um, so, yeah, we might be joined by a member of the Quidditch Club today, hopefully. We'll let you know if that happens, but it's going to be very fun. So, to start off with, uh, we're guessing most people know about Harry Potter, but for those of you who have managed to live under the, that rock for a while, um, Harry Potter is just a series of books that have been transformed into films. It's, uh, following the life of a boy, Harry Potter, who finds out he's a wizard and has to combat the forces of evil happening in the wizard world in his school, Hogwarts, that trains wizards. So that's a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) What a a lovely little synopsis. Thank you. I thought it was pretty great, too. Um, So basically, uh, we know that this has been a very influential series. Uh, Lots of children have been into it from a young age. The cool thing about this uh, this series of books and films, I guess, is that it started off being uh, catered to a very specific audience, basically 11-year-old kids, 12-year-olds, that were around the same age as uh, Harry Potter was when he first got into Hogwarts, but as he grows up throughout the books, it was catered to an audience that grew up along with Harry Potter, so while the first books are supposed to be for, like, kids, you get the last books that are really for adults, so it's interesting that we have that happening. And we have just been joined by the Quidditch Club member, Marie. Hi. And yeah, introduce yourself. like. Hi,
2: I'm Marie. Um, I'm part of the UBT Quidditch team, and I play as a chaser. Um, I've dabbled with seeking, um, but I have not beat before. Um, and for those of you who don't know what those positions okay. are... Um, well, the first thing I want to get straight about Quidditch is that we don't fly. People are like, how could you guys fly Quidditch? <laughs> Earth shattering. Preposterous. Right. Um, we do hold brooms sometimes. Um, as Just sometimes? Uh, well, sometimes the brooms, sometimes they're uh, long BPC pipes oh, for safety okay. reasons. Because uh, it is a full contact sport. So there uh, have been a lot of injuries, mm-hmm. unfortunately. You can imagine with um, things like uh, tackling involved. Mm. It's quite dangerous, but it's so much fun. I'm um, always
4: surprised by, like, how physical it really is. Yeah. You know, yeah. i was like,
2: whoa. It's really intense, too, and it's being taken really seriously uh, around North America. Um, it got really big in the uh, on the East Coast to begin with, but it's moving uh, northwest, and uh, the northwest region um, has been doing really well, um, and a couple of them have seats, I think, in the top 15 um, rankings in all of the states, so
5: that's pretty good. That's great. Cool. It really like goes to show just how far the culture has spread really? Like who would have yeah. thought that this like mythical sport thing would have turned into something that people actually play and has like world cups and whatnot?
4: Yeah. And it like just to kinda like reroute it back to film. <laughs>
5: um, just like how pervasive
4: that like whole thing really is and like being able to see it and be like, that's something I could do. Like yeah. that like it's
5: possible. It just opens a whole new world. Yeah, and the Quidditch scenes in the movies are, like, really graphic. Like, you actually get to see how everything's going on. I feel like it probably wouldn't have become a legitimate sport if we didn't have that visual input coming in. Because the way they describe it just in the books isn't enough to really make a sport out
2: of it. I think that's a very good point. They definitely needed uh, J.K. Rowling on set to help them make the whole thing come to life. Yeah, And um, by seeing it on screen, uh, I think it's really helped make it popular. Because people see it and they're like, "Oh, that looks awesome! I wish that was possible." Mm. Um, but we've actually been able to adapt it terrestrially.
5: <laughs> that's that is perfect.
2: It's pretty
4: impressive, um, and also like how much of Harry Potter like culture is just like <laughs> yeah. in the world. Yep. Like it's like it's not even like weird or like nerdy to be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna I'm playing Quidditch." <laughs> like yep. that's what I'm doing. And people are like, "Oh, cool, great!" That's like fine. that's awesome, because <laughs> um, it's just like so popular and like mm. everyone, everyone has seen it. Everyone like knows about it. Um, and like it's also like so international. Like it's not oh, yeah. even like concentrated to the UK or like concentrated to the, to the North America. It's like everywhere. Yeah, yeah, we
5: were looking for wizard rock bands to <laughs> to play today, and we found bands in Brazil. We found bands in <laughs> Eastern Europe. We found bands from everywhere. They were
2: all Harry Potter inspired. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Wow. It's All phenomenal. wizard rock Harry Potter bands. Wizard
4: rock is such like a weird concept. <laughs> I know.
5: Okay, here's for that. Oh, um, we that, like, will magic noises? soon.
4: We got you. Yeah, nice. we have
5: a, an interesting thing going on. And to speak to the spread,
2: Quidditch itself has spread um, to as far as Australia. There's tons oh. of teams in Europe, and they play their own sort of World Cup. Um, really I had idea. no idea. Do you think there's ever gonna be like a World Cup? There World is Cup? actually. <gasps> Wait, no. Yeah, um, the World Cup in um, April this year is in North Carolina, but they invite teams from all over the world. Um, so I think I'm pretty sure there'll be some European teams. I don't know if the Australians will make it that far, mm. but um, unfortunately, it is mostly North America. But
4: yeah, that's fair. spreading. It's like a disease, <laughs> a magical disease. <laughs> it's spreading. <laughs> One of us. One of us. Um. <laughs> okay. Um, I guess do you guys have any thoughts on like the transition from book to film? Do you guys have issue with it? Or are you like really down with that? Just like it not even like quidditch but like Harry Potter in general.
5: Mm-hmm. For me, like I started off Uh, reading the books before I even knew that the movies existed. Like, I read the first book because I saw it in an airport and my dad was trying to get me to read chapter books because at the time I only read Dr. (laughs) Seuss. I was like, you need to read something else. Something with no pictures. (laughs) (laughs) No pictures? Well then get me that thing. And it was the first thing I pointed at. So it was completely by chance that I started reading. And then I loved it and I figured out there are movies involved here. Like, whoa! Uh, And I was actually scared of the movies when I was a kid. I remember they were all like so dark and the actual lighting is always made to Seem pretty scary yeah. and scary, basically. <laughs> um, so for me, it was weird, like going from the from the books to the movies mm-hmm. because I just couldn't picture like this book that I'm reading that is oh so much fun to this dark uh, lighting going on yeah. in the movies. Uh, Especially towards the, la- the later books, oh, they oh, yeah. get really intense. Mm-hmm. I was,
2: I was pretty terrified because I had very high expectations going into watching the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say overall they did a very good job. Obviously they had to cut some things. They had to, um, you know, put two things together to make it more consistent, um, and one, one problem I had, well, not really a problem, but when you bring anything into Hollywood, it has to be perfect, so, like, Hermione is supposed to be, like, this frumpy little girl with, like, crazy hair, mm. and, of course, Emma Watson is, like, the most beautiful person, mm. um, so, like, while I would have liked to see more realism there, yeah. I was grateful for Emma Watson's performance.
4: Oh, yeah, sure. definitely. Um, I, like, totally agree with, like, it's, like, so much darker and, like, so much more intense in the films. Because um, I feel like, and, like, it's true, they did have to, like, kind of cut and, like, glamorize a lot of stuff. And I feel like a lot of the stuff that I thought was, like, more strenuous was, like, the happy, like, friends just hanging out. Like, what made it, like, so relatable to kids. Exactly, yeah. So, like, and, but they, they kept the story. They, like, kept the characters. Which is like, phenomenal. Yeah, but I feel like it did really lose, like, a bit of that, like... Kind of like magic. Yeah, magic. <laughs> what a word!
5: <laughs> Perfect.
4: Um, what is your guys' favorite favorite one?
2: A uh, films
5: or yeah, or book? Mm-hmm. Film or book?
2: Film or book? Um, I, I really like the Half Blood Prince. Mm. I know that's not up there as a favorite, but I really like that book.
1: Mm.
2: Oh, in my... movie? Oh, that's a different question. <laughs> <laughs> What do you guys think?
4: Okay, I have a very
2: well-thought-out answer for this. Okay. Question. <laughs> well,
4: let's My favorite movie is The Prisoner of Azkaban. Because it's the yeah. only one that is, like, a well, like, f- well-directed like well film. Like, mm. the first two were kind of, like, expose, like, trying to, like, establish it. The last, like, four onward are, like, they're so, like, actiony, like Like, David, you did a great job, but it was kind of like, like, where to go? Like, it didn't seem, like... It didn't seem artistic. Um, okay. <laughs> no, no, I feel like But, I like, the, it. the Prisoner of Azkaban, like, it t- It's pretty clear why they didn't ask that director back. Oh, I'm oh, totally yeah. blank on his name. I think it might be... I think the director might have been the dude who did, like, Birdman and Revenant.
1: What? Whoa. There's no I way. Yeah, no, I think I'm it was. I'm going to Google this right Please now. Please do, because... There is
4: no way. He, the director is, like... I, like, I'm, like, 70, like, 70% sure. Okay, never mind. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but he's such <still, laughs> just,
5: just to check, Birdman is Inaritu, yeah?
4: Yes. Okay, then <laughs> it's definitely um, not. But he's no. still, like, he was a weird kind of choice for them to go to, and mm. he was such a perfectionist. Like, he, like, did, he was, like, we want bats everywhere. Like, the Dementors took forever mm. for, like, he had, like, puppets in water, and then he was, like, no, like, we'll do this. um, And, like, everything in the movie is, like, Obviously, like it's kind of like Lord of the Rings level, yeah. where so much has been like placed and put in to create this world and I think he did an absolutely amazing job that none of the other directors really did.
5: And all the characters are really evolving in Prisoner of Azkaban. The first and the second one are really like, oh, getting established in Hogwarts, there's bad things happening. But Prisoner of Azkaban is the first time that I really started, like, it's the first time Hermione started appearing attractive. It's the first time the character started looking more grown up. You hear more about Harry. Yeah. And his family. And
2: obviously that's, a pivotal thing driving Harry throughout his whole life—well, not driving, but something that explains so much about his character—and mm-hmm. that really comes out in that movie, in those books. Mm-hmm. That book and that, that movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think
4: that *The Prisoner of is also the only one that, like, actually had like that kids hanging out, like kids being kids scenes. Yeah. Whereas the other ones are like something terrible is happening, like crisis, we got to deal with it, which is like
2: valid, but, like, yeah. it's not what I wanted. It makes it more realistic, too, because keep in mind, these are these are high school students. Uh-huh. Not even middle school. Pre, Pre-teens! Like, <laughs> yeah, they're pre teen, And they're, like, fighting, like, he who must not be named? Jeez! Like, it's like so intense. Adult responsibility much? <laughs> like, crazy. Oh, Her-
5: yeah. I have a, a conflicted uh, opinion of that movie, because it's definitely my favorite. Like, I was gonna say the same, but it gave me nightmares. The dementia <laughs> oh! scared oh, yeah Peter Pettigrew so
3: Terrified oh me. God. Peter Pettigrew
5: is so scary. He's so freaky. Yeah.
4: <laughs> like it's not even it's not even funny. Like I was so scared. There were like weeks where I was like, Peter Pettigrew, he's he's not to get me. Yeah.
5: Prisoner of Azkaban has dementors, so like I'm trying to figure out a way to describe them to anyone that doesn't know what they are. It's just like dark, soul suckers. Yeah, dark straight evil soul sucker things. Like imagine a
2: black tissue that's <laughs> ginormous and has like a part human part monster at the edge of it that as soon as it get clo- gets close to you tries to like rip your soul out and make you the most like like imagine depression that's as worse as worse as it could possibly be.
5: Like that's the state you go into. Yeah. And then Peter Pettigrew. Can turn into a rat, so that's just scary. The human looks so. I <laughs> <rat. laughs>
2: like It's so freaky. The actor did a very good job of scaring the crap out of. Him. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh Definitely. yeah. And the
4: Night Bus, that was also. Oh yeah. Dope. The Night Bus was awesome.
2: Yeah, you know that scene in um, Star Wars where they're like in the in the pub, and mm-hmm. like there's just these crazy people around. Yeah. That's how I felt when we were in uh, Diagon Alley.
1: Mm, I see that. Like I they just it. did a
2: really good job with creating um, all these monsters. Like I think of the Gringotts Goblin, and like oh, uh, that's another thing that just was so eerie. Mm-hmm. The goblins were definitely like pretty freaky. I remember yeah. being like
0: why, aren't
5: touching, like, "Why are they touching? why are they
4: interacting? <laughs> like,
5: this is terrifying." And that's something else that I loved about the movies. Like, they brought in all this like these little bits of culture from yeah. the from the books that not all mo- like adaptations bring on. Mm-hmm. The they really got like the little details to build up the world and made it that much more real in the in the movies than it could have been.
4: I also like this is just like a Harry Potter thing. I like how like it doesn't just start. And end with, like, high school students doing things. Like, Hermione's into, like, health self, like, freedom, (laughs) and, like, she's, like, really into, like, equality, and, like, they're, like, different, like, political things in the Wizarding World that Mm. are, like, obviously that's an issue like that makes so much sense yeah. but like I feel like in other like series like it would just kind of be like that that would either be like the point of the book right or it just would not be there yeah
2: I think JK Rowling did a great job with making a progressive book that will be relevant for a while and yeah. I think it touches on like the, the struggles like that people go through right now with um being progressive for instance like by making like Dumbledore, Dumbledore homosexual like that was a really cool thing um, and I was really grateful to hear her say that, uh, because it's, like, representation um, from this cultural piece that's just so huge yeah, and so widespread. And also,
4: like, that was really important, because he was, like, such, like, a wise, kind of, like, benevolent figure, and it's, Respectable, like... Respectable, yeah. And he's gay. Like, what? Yeah. Like, doesn't matter? <laughs> like,
2: Believe it or not, <laughs> Whatever. be gay and also
5: awesome.
1: Yeah.
2: Like many people are. <laughs> Shocking.
5: But, yeah. Uh, wh- what about you? What's your favorite movie slash book? My favorite movie... Um,
2: my favorite book, um, again, I'm torn between uh, *Goblet of Fire* and um, *Half fun. Blood Prince*. Uh, favorite movie, I really liked uh, the last one, not the second to last one. I'm actually blanking on the name. *Deathly Hallows* Part One. *Deathly Hallows* Part Two. Oh, I really okay, liked. Oh, okay. Yeah, Part One was like. I didn't like Part One. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It was. It was just a setup for like the final piece. It's like the filler. Okay, like to find like Hor- Horcux, Like let's let's get rid of this. <laughs> Um, and then just the end with the battles, and then, like, long bottom being attractive. Oh. Sorry, that's, <laughs> like, that's like, not, like, a big part of the plot it, at all.
5: It should have
4: been. This <laughs> progression through puberty could have been a book of its own. <laughs> it was straight up magical.
5: So true. Um,
2: what did you think of the ending of that one, though? I, I found it really satisfying. Oh, um, yeah? Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. Um. Obviously, like, when you read something, you just have, like, all these expectations, but I think what was good was there was a good chunk of time between when I read it and when I saw it that allowed me to, like, forget, like, the little things that would have mm, made yeah. me upset with inconsistencies, but it was amazing. Like, I really, I really liked that battle at the end. I loved, like, seeing Snape and, like, having that all resolved, um, and yeah, I, I really enjoyed that movie. That's a really good, that's a really good, like, position to be viewing it from, because,
4: mm. like, I had I like read it in prep and I was like this movie like how dare they set it up like this, um but I I wish I would I wish I'd kind of like purged my brain, you
2: know, <laughs> yeah I, I think that's where the the biggest disappointment from like seeing movies comes from from like reading the book and then, um or reading the book immediately before seeing the movie yeah because yeah. you have to allow some um artistic what's the word artistic license yeah artistic license when it comes to turning something. That's like pages into something visual.
4: Yeah. Um. What's your guys' f- worst, whoa, least favorite book slash movie? I'm gonna say movie because like the books are all stellar. Yeah. But, yeah like, I love it. least favorite movie. I
5: think like we're, we probably all have the same answer here. Like, <laughs> oh, Order the or Phoenix? Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so bad. <laughs> it's, it's the only genuinely terrible movie yeah. in that series. Yeah.
4: It's just like you. Want, I watch it. and I'm like, come on, like really? Because also, like, I, I was talking about. Because obviously, I've I've been like, oh, Harry Potter. Like asking people about it. Um, and someone was like, "Goblet of Fire" was terrible, and I was like, yeah, uh, it was. It was pretty. Like I it was love pretty of good. Fire. I really liked "Goblet of like, Fire." It's one of my favorites. It's like it's the funnest to watch. I would say Cedric Diggory, though. Oh, I did <laughs> I, no I think idea you mean Edward was. Cullen. Yeah. Who is this? <laughs> Why is there a vampire in a movie about? wizards? <laughs> <Why Was it? laughs> Where did all those hair come from? <laughs> um, no, I think that I, like, actually really enjoy watching The Island of Fire. I think it's a strong one. I also think Half-Lead Prince is a f- strong film. Mm-hmm. And then Order of the Phoenix is devastating. You're just oh, kind of yeah. like, why are you sandwiched between? Why like... Why are you here?
2: Yeah. Exactly. Between two really good movies.
4: Yeah, exactly. I'm just kind of like, ugh.
2: Also, Chamber come of on. Secrets, just classic. Like, getting to know the characters and, like seeing their little interactions with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, When I saw Breaking Bad, like, I watched, like, the last season with my dad, and then I went back and watched the first episode, Mm -hmm. and I saw, like, all these parallels, and I found it to be very similar with um, Harry Potter. Like, seeing the last episode and then – or, sorry, last episode. Seeing the last movie and then going back and seeing the first, and, like, the little, like, seedlings of people's (gasps) uh, interpersonal relationships that become heightened. Yeah. Um, It's it's a really good way to set up the – movies I think. Deaths. It's like and also they're so cute. Like Oh my
4: gosh, I know. Oh my god. It's obscene. It's Look. just like like so much cuteness. Just like three little people <laughs> like You're so you guys. <laughs> you, oh. And that that straight at the end of um, Chamber of Secrets. That was terrifying. With, like, oh the my possession gosh! Possession and like. And
2: I was young too when I saw that movie. Not like young, young, but I remember scary.
4: after I saw it and he did like the, the like anagram thing. I spent like hours being like, "How do I do this? <laughs> like, <laughs> <"Hello>, <laughs> I am Lord Voldemort, and was like, okay, like how
2: do I <laughs> like let's make Tom Marvolo no? for like literally days because oh, I... yeah, with a diary, right? yeah, of course. That's awesome. Oh, how about the map? The oh my gosh, I'm gonna butcher this. The marauders. Marauders. Yeah, I think. that was pretty dope. That's a really cool concept. Oh, I, so cool. I see some really cool tattoos come out of that. Oh yeah, Where people have like little like footprints. Oh, that's so sweet. That is so cute. With like the the little quote. Wow, I'm horrible. It's too early for me. <laughs> I It's right okay.
4: that I'm up to no good. Yes, yeah, one. <laughs> Do you guys like Marvel? Harry Potter? <laughs> like, um, no, yeah.
5: I just play Quidditch.
4: <laughs>
5: um. Do we have a song coming up? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to play some uh, ads for us first, and then we'll go on to the song, which is uh, Am- Amortensia by Let's Lumos, a band from Ontario. Ooh. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And, Ooh. yeah.
1: This is Jack Mercer from Jack Mercer and the Whiskey Bandits. You're listening to CITR 101.9. <laughs>
5: 30 years, there has been one voice in the local Vancouver art scene that has stood above the rest, and that's Discorder, that conspiracy, punk rock, Foxcore, sassy, still-publishing magazine from CITR. We're one of the established and trusted voices of Vancouver's music and arts culture in the Lower Mainland, with 8,000 copies distributed monthly to over 135 distribution locations, from the Lido to Zulu Records.
0: Discorder is one of the few magazines published by a community radio station, and we only serve up the freshest local and Canadian beats. We have interviews with
5: artists, album reviews, live show reviews, and articles about everything important to our crazy, unique, varied, and amazing culture in Vancouver and across the country. Pick up your free copy of Discorder today, or sign up to have it delivered to your door, wherever you are. Check out our website for distribution locations and all the information about advertising and getting involved with this quarter.
0: Bursaries, scholarships, buildings, research projects, sporting events. You name it, it's likely been supported by donors. Giving is a powerful thing, and coming up is the day to celebrate it. Giving Tuesday is on November 29th. Give thanks and share your own giving stories using hashtag UBCGiving. Find out more at UBC.ca slash GivingTuesday. I'm sure you've heard of Black Friday and Cyber Monday, but what about Giving Tuesday? November 29th is an international day of giving to celebrate the importance of philanthropy. Join in by sharing your giving stories on social media using hashtag UBCGiving. Find out more at UBC.ca slash GivingTuesday.
5: Hey, man. Come out to the Rio Sunday, December 4th for the UBC Film Socks Annual Big Lebowski um, Beverage Garden. It's totally free. Uh, except the, uh, you know, beverages. And wear costumes, maybe win a prize. Doors are at 6 and the movie will start at 6.30 due to Reno. It's a 19 plus event. Please abide.
4: Hi, you're listening to The Real World on CITR 101.9 FM. We had a bit of a crazy episode for you today. Um, we were a little kind of confused, so we played a couple episodes that we aired last November and last May. Um, the Ralph Bakshi one was one that was really near and dear to my heart. Um, it was kind of my dis- rediscovery of that director, and he's amazing. Everyone should check him out revolutionary in animation and then we played our harry potter episode just to kind of get people in the mood for fantastic beats beasts and where to find them we have a ticket giveaway on our facebook page so check it out um really fun movie potter heads are gonna love it Um, You just heard a PSA for our upcoming Beer Garden on December 4th. That's a Sunday from 6 to 9. Uh, We host it every year. This year is special. We're hosting it at the Rio. So it's going to be really exciting, really fun. It's totally free, um, except for beverages, of course. Um, And wear a costume to maybe win a prize. That's kind of the funnest thing about it. We also have a couple events coming up, so we have Trivia Night on Wednesday. It's 19+, plus, unfortunately, but it's going to be animation-slash-Disney-themed, so um, come ready. It's $3 to get in. Maybe we're workshopping that. Um, There'll be free um, beverages and fries, and onion rings is a lot of fun. Um, Onion rings? it's It's only the second one we've ever hosted, so... It's gonna be very exciting, and then we have our High Fidelity movie night that we are doing in conjunction with CITR at the station on December first. That's at seven. We're just gonna watch High Fidelity and eat popcorn. It's gonna be really chill. Maybe listen to some music. So that is our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I'm Dora, and have an excellent, excellent, excellent
1: day. Serious rhythm machine. Now try measure w w w dot c i t -t 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 r dot c